0: So welcome to another episode of More Than Bread. I'm Dan. I'm your host, your Bible reader, a pastor, a husband, and a father, and even a papa. That's what I love. I love being a papa. That's what our grandkids call me. And each of those adjectives is a role that I love, some more than others. But if you listen to the last episode, you know that my identity, my identity is in Christ, In Christ, I am whole. In Christ, I am loved. In Christ, I have a seat at the table. In Christ, I'm part of the family of God. And all these things are true of me because I am in Christ, not because of what I've done or haven't done. I'm seen and known and loved. And in Christ, so are you. Dave Roadcup shared an interesting story at a Christian convention a number of years ago. He told about... Watching a building being built near where he lived, he said first they first they put down a huge cement pad, and then several days later they brought in a a huge heavy silver box and and set it down on the pad. Big box, you know, higher than me, bigger than me, like a room. <laughs> The next few weeks, they began to frame and then add drywall. But but Dave's curiosity kind of got the better of him. And he's just thinking, what was that silver box? And why did they put it in there first? So so he went and he asked someone, asked what was going on. He found out that it was going to be a bank. And so all of a sudden, it made sense, right? That huge silver box was the vault. It was, it was the most important thing. And because of its size, its weight, and importance, they had to build everything around it. Later, it would not have fit through the door. So, so when you build a bank, you construct that which houses what's most important to a bank, the valuables, and, and then you build everything around it. And, and his point to the convention was what a vault is to a bank, Christ is to Christianity, and the Bible is to the church. Christ is the living word. The Bible is the written word. Together, they're the foundation and the heart of what we're building. They they contain the treasure of Christ, the treasure of grace, the wisdom of ways to live, the pattern of Jesus, and the pathway to Christ. In a moment, as we dive into Colossians chapter 3, we'll we'll hear a great verse for this podcast, almost a a theme verse. And, And these kinds of verses are all over Scripture. But in verse 16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ... Dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all all wisdom. The word of Christ, who is the word of God, let it dwell in you richly. Let me read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. I'm reading from the New International Version. Paul writes this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, Set set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And my words, remember a couple of episodes, we talked about what is your way? Paul is saying that that before Jesus, your way was filled with immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now, verse 8, you must also rid yourself of, of things like anger and rage and Malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. and You put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And, and let me just hit that verse again. Here there is no Jew, Gentile or Jew. Paul, Paul's talking about I. Our identity is no more the the main part of your identity as Gentile, Jew, your race, or or your circumcision, or whether you're a barbarian, a Scythian, your nationality, slave or free, but, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, verse 12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message, let the words of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, everything that you do, whatever you do, no matter what it is, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And there's so many good verses in in what I just read. In the the first half of Colossians 3, verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. We got that whole in Christ thing, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. And then down to verse 10, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you've been brought to fullness. And And verse 12, Put on then. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put there's there's stuff Paul saying there's stuff you need to take off, and there's stuff you need to put on. As God's chosen ones, and we're going to focus more on that in the next episode. But even still, for a minute, for just a moment, as God's chosen one. <laughs> if you're a christ follower right now and and you're not driving your car would you just take a moment and and close your eyes and ponder this you have been chosen by christ you if you're a Jesus follower, you have been chosen by Christ, the most amazing man to ever inhabit heaven and earth. He chose you. He he picked you up and exchanged your existence for his life, and now you're part of the kingdom that will never end. You're not only part of the team, you've been adopted into the family of the creator of the universe. In him is all the fullness of God, and in that fullness, in that you're in Christ, so in that fullness you're made whole. There is no sin that he cannot forgive, no mess that he cannot redeem, and no wound that he cannot heal. In fact, you're being shaped right now to look more and more like him every day. Nothing taking place in the world today is beyond his leadership. He is first in everything. All authority has been given to him and you are on his team. In fact, he has planned stuff for you to do that will make a difference in his world. He is sovereignly, sovereignly placed you in circles where your gifts and abilities will make a difference. You are chosen, your family, your workplace, your school, and and every one of those circles, the circle of your neighborhood. <laughs> you, you, don't, you, don't have a, you, you do not have a neighbor who is beyond his love, beyond his redemptive ability. He is crazy in love with your neighbors. He's not annoyed by them. He hasn't given up on them. He, he hasn't. In fact, he's already working future wonders in their lives, and he invites you to join in the glory. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And, and while wow, there's so much in this chapter about living and loving in community, right? Clothe yourself with compassion and humility. Put it on. Be, let, let, let that be the first thing that people see. <laughs> Bear with each other. Put up with each other. Forgive one another. Why? Man, because we need each other. A few years ago, author Bunmi (laughs) Laditon wrote an essay called I Miss the Village. And in it, she describes her life as being filled with everyday tasks in her four-walled house while the world buzzes around me, busy and fast. She writes of parenting and investing in her kids, but missing something she calls the village I never had. She writes, you'd know me, and I'd know you. I'd know your children, and you would know mine, not just on a surface level, favorite foods, games, and such, but Real, true knowledge of the soul that flickers behind their eyes. I would trust them in your arms just as much as I'd trust them in mine. They'd respect you and heed your no. I miss that village of mothers that I never had, she writes. The one we traded for homes that despite being a stone's throw feel like they're miles apart from each other. The one we traded for locked front doors and blinking devices and afternoons alone on the floor playing one-on-one with our little ones. What gives me hope, she finishes, is that as I look at you from across the park with your own child in tow playing in your own corner of the sandbox, I can tell from your curious glance and shy smile that you miss it too. While she was writing to mothers, I think she was writing for all of us, how this disconnectedness affects our souls and how we long for community, for connectedness. And I know that our world has seen incredible technological advances, but not every advance moves us forward towards life. In their book, Next Door, As It Is in Heaven, Lance Ford and Brad Briscoe discuss the profound loneliness that people are regularly experiencing in our world and the growing sense of worthlessness that that comes from their loneliness, kind of like if no one sees me, perhaps I'm not worth seeing. The authors write about a daily practice that Peter Senge noticed among the tribes of northern Natal and South Africa. In Natal, the most common greeting is the expression, sawubona. It literally means, I see you. If you're a member of the tribe, you might reply by saying in Sikona, I'm here. And the order of the exchange is important. In essence, they are saying, until you see me, I do not exist. Until you see me, I do not exist. If that's true, I wonder how many of our neighbors have been wiped out of existence by our smartphones. And we need to see our neighbors. We need to love our neighbors like Jesus loves our neighbors. But, but I, I want to turn our eyes in a different direction because loving our neighbors is not our first thing. It's not our primary quest. One of the things I love about Paul is that he always keeps first things the first thing. So, so as we go back to that first part of Colossians 3 so that we can be reminded about our first thing. And, and as we are, you might think, well, I'm going to say community. But but no, here's our first thing in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, Paul says, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, if we want to be truly effective at loving our neighbors, loving our uh, people that we work with, or or our classmates, our family even, if, if we want a thriving community where we make a difference in every one of the circles of people God has given us to and given us for, we need to understand that our our one thing, our first thing goes beyond my neighborhood, goes beyond my community. If I'm, if I'm called to seek the things that are above, then I'm called to seek something that goes beyond my community. My neighborhood is not the end game. My thoughts are not captured by my neighborhood. I have a passion that goes beyond. Okay, Dan, I, I got that. We need to focus on heaven. Right? If I if I want to be effective in my neighborhood, in my workplace, if I want to really love people, I need to keep my eyes on heaven. Well, that's closer. You're getting closer. But I think Paul would tell, tell us that heaven is not enough. Let, let me read Paul's words again with emphasis. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, <laughs> seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. My first thing is not even heaven. It's not my community. My first thing is Christ, who is my life. God created us with a deep, unavoidable desire for life. And sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we let it creep into the corner of our souls where it sits quietly loud. Sometimes we grow weary and we wonder if it's time to abandon the journey. But that nagging desire, St. Augustine called it a holy longing. And it never quite goes away, right? You've experienced that. Remember, I I said in a previous episode, I think that every heart longing we have or think we have every ache that arises when you see something or someone that you desire, when we dream of more success or wake up hoping we are somehow more attractive than, than I was when I went to sleep, when you drive by a bigger house and say, I wish, when we say what we say or do what we do and then look around hoping somebody noticed and might even applaud... What we're really longing for is Jesus. So more than anything in life, what we need is Christ. And if what we need and what we long for is Christ, it matters where we set our sights, right? Set your sights. That's what what Paul says. You've heard this story before, if if you have listened to me much. Steve Spilaw tells it about how he had to run a marathon twenty-six miles, under three hours and thirty minutes, in order to qualify for the Boston Marathon. At the time he was about fifty years old and and the Boston Marathon was one of those bucket list dreams for him. The Boston Marathon would be a kick the bucket list item for me. I'd I'd rather run the Boston Marathon after I die than before I die. But but Steve was was running this qualifying marathon, and he was doing okay. He was on pace until he hit mile 21, where he hit the proverbial wall. Four times before, when he'd hit the wall, it it just defeated him. And and he thought, here I go again. And he was starting to get kind of discouraged. His legs are like lead. He's ready to quit. When this younger guy in a blue shirt passed him, not fast, but steady, Steve said, so I just latched on to him, (laughs) He didn't mean physically. I'm, we're talking metaphorically. He, I just latched onto him. I latched onto the blue shirt and let him pull me along. See, he set his sights on the blue shirt, and and forty five minutes later, he crossed the finish line. He crashed on a bench with a grimace and pulled a, his watch to his face. Three hours, twenty five minutes, twenty one seconds. He, he'd made it. As he looked up, he saw the blue shirt, and so he yelled, hey, blue shirt. And the blue shirt thought he was a bit crazy, but he came over, and Steve said, man, thank you. Thank you for pulling me through miles 21 through 26. I would not have made it without you. And blue shirt smiled back and said, thank you for pulling me through miles 17 through 21. I wouldn't have made it without you. And Steve said it was a brief encounter that reminded him of what the Christian life, the way of Christ was all about. You're you're cruising along steady and secure when something happens, you lose something, something breaks, you start to fall off the pace, you start to give up and all those feelings of insecurity or rejection come back and then a blue shirt comes along and they help you get your eyes set on the prize. And my question is, who is your blue shirt? Who is running in the same direction as you? Someone who's run can encourage you. Someone whose direction in life can help you set your eyes on Christ. You may know them. You may not know them. They may be a best friend. It may be somebody that you read about. But there has to be someone who helps you set your eyes on Christ. And not only that, but for whom are you being a blue, blue shirt? Are, are you aware that someone is watching you and counting on you to live like you're chosen by God? You know, as I think about that, you know what, it's been the people who are part of the family, my family, my church family, who encourage me when I'm feeling unchosen. It's been people in my life that remind me that I'm chosen and lift me up when I'm forgetting it. People in my life and and in my church that, and they, they help me set my sights on heaven When I'm just, I'm digging holes. Listen, sooner or later, we all need a blue shirt, and it matters where you set your sights. In the first episode of Colossians, I said there's more to life than we can see. There are unseen realities that are more real than what we can see. And I know it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but sometimes where we set our eyes helps us to see what is unseen, helps us to see Christ in his kingdom. You need to get your eyes on people who know Jesus better than you do. And again, I know it sounds a bit counterintuitive, but when we set our minds on things above, we become a treasure to the community around us. Paul says in verses 3 and 4, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, when Christ appears, we appear with him in glory. And I know that's talking about a day to come when Christ comes again. But I think there's a truth here for now for today that we all need to ponder. See, when the unseen Christ appears in us and through us, there is a glory that becomes seen to the people around us. And my goodness, our world is in deep, deep need of glory. Our world is more hungry than we know for the glory of God, hungry for a life that's filled with glory. In our hearts, we are homesick for this life, aren't we? Let me pray for you. God I pray that you would let the hunger rise I pray that pray that we would set our sights on things above I pray that you would give us people to to look at who almost kind of embody the the hunger of God a hunger for God God I pray that you would meet us in those places of longing and hunger I I pray that you would give us a blue shirt, and, and God, I pray that you would help me help us to be a blue shirt for others. God, we're so grateful for all that you do for us. We're so grateful that, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, and, and God, I, I pray that you would help us to, to love our neighbors and to love the people in our workplace and to share Jesus with them, but more than anything, I pray that that would come as a result of us setting our eyes on Christ, on things above and not on the things of this earth. God, thank you for all you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.